This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. It's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Monday, April 3rd. The weather forecast for today, it's going to be a warm one. 14 degrees for a high. Mixture of sun and cloud, but don't be surprised if there's a shower this morning. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, mayoral candidates will be parading through City Hall today. Number two, the Aquasasne casualties were two families trying to enter the U.S. Number three, TTC fares up this morning. Number four, a Canadian astronaut will be revealed today. And number five, Niagara Falls has been named one of the world's biggest tourist traps. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Happy Monday to you, if Monday makes you happy. I mean, you know, we're lucky. I think everybody who works on this show enjoys their jobs. So uh, here we are. But it does seem like the weekend went by very, very quickly, although we are on the precipice of a shortened week because uh, this is the Holy Week. So to those who observe, yesterday was Palm Sunday. Friday will be Good Friday, which will be a holiday for pretty well everybody, and we'll have some special programming for you. Hard to know where to begin this morning, except I guess it's whoever gets the assignment today as a reporter at Toronto City Hall is just going to, you know, be staking out the clerk's office and then doing, I suppose, quick on CP24, I imagine, live interviews with all the people who would like to be mayor of Toronto. But today's the day. The actual mayor's race begins and candidates will arrive and file their paperwork I am told that uh, they have, I guess they've, their campaigns have been in touch and there's kind of an arrangement so they don't end up colliding or having three of them at the desk all at the same time. So Anna Bailau apparently will be the first person. Clerk's desk will open at 8.30. Anna Bailau will be there. And uh, if I'm looking at the sequence, followed by Mark Saunders, then Josh Matlow. After that, I think it's a bit of a free-for-all, but uh, other candidates include Brad Bradford, Missy Hunter, who we crashed into, what, I guess on Friday, Joe Cristiano on the way out of the building, or was it Thursday? It doesn't really matter. But um, CP24 and News Talk 1010 are kind of going to be a nexus for this mayor's campaign because they've got only so many opportunities to get out there in the field and meet people one-on-one. They'll be doing a lot of door knocking. But I think a lot of these people are going to be trying to, you know, consume some of the oxygen on the media outlets that reach the most people in Toronto. Uh, So I mentioned Mitzi Hunter. We get Anthony Fury, former columnist with the Toronto Sun. And now I'm sure some other mayoral candidates or would-be candidates will grieve me for having failed to name their names, but they're just so many. And then we get into the people who haven't yet declared who are being jostled and pushed, uh, one of them being Olivia Chow. And I'm hearing from some sources that it's a pretty sure thing she's going to run. In which case, that will change the complexion somewhat. See, the the thing about Olivia Chow is that she is a star candidate. She's a former city councilor. She's a former MP but and, and a former candidate for mayor. But she also has somewhat of a, an aspect of, okay, you tried already, it didn't work out, so maybe you've gone to the well one too many times. And in a field of people, most of whom I think 
could be a decent mayor. They, they all qualify for the job. It's just that as I was observing on Friday, there's this thing where I think all of them are about 75% of the candidate or, or the mayor that I would like to see in my town. But I don't think any of them would be a terrible mayor. Um, kind of informs things, I guess. I had lunch with John Tory, the former mayor of Toronto, on Friday. And while the bulk of our conversation, which went on for a very, very long time, um, is you know, something I'm not going to share out of respect for John, out of respect for our friendship, and actually in accordance with the way I kind of do business on a regular basis. I spend a lot of time talking to newsmakers, and they generally understand that an awful lot of what they tell me is not something that is, you know, that, I, that is to be shared. Uh, but I will tell you one very important thing on this day where the election campaign officially begins. If you were hoping that John Tory would declare his candidacy and sort of Sheila Copps-like, you know, rise again to fight another day, be acquitted ev effectively by the electorate, and uh, then, you know, go back to the job that he so loved. No, it ain't going to happen. Uh, John Tory is going to keep his head down, and um, he is not going to be pursuing any political office at the moment. I don't know, maybe that lies ahead, but you know, you have to bear in mind, John Tory's about to be 69 years old, so maybe he's looking to other chapters. But back to things that are happening today. We have those candidates. Another thing that is gonna happen later on this morning is they're going to be announcing who the four astronauts who go back to the moon are. One of them is going to be a Canadian. And there are four candidates for that particular job. Now, uh, to the best of my understanding of this next race to the moon, which Joe Biden made a big thing about during his speech uh, before Parliament, uh, they're not actually going to be landing on the moon this first time. They're just going to go up to the moon, go around it, and come back. Which, for me, is like, you know, imagine driving all the way to New York City and then taking a freeway around Manhattan and then coming home. But I get it. It's sort of a proof of concept, proof of whatever. Um, and it is probably going to happen in 2024. And I'll be very interested. I mean, it's, well, it's not a long time away from us, is it? We're at 2023, so it's next year. I will be very curious to see what the relative investment people have in this next moon mission is. Because I remember when I was a kid, I was too young really to understand what was going on when man walked on the moon for the first time. But I remember being homesick from school in, I think it was 1973, when these two spacecraft hooked up in outer space. And I was thoroughly not impressed already. I mean, I'm like eight years old and I'm looking at this thing and thinking, yeah, well, what's your next trick? And in our lifetime, we have had the um, space shuttle mission, the space shuttle itself come into service and then be decommissioned. So yeah, I'll, I'll be very curious to see. I think going to Mars, people are going to be very interested in that. We're going to be hooking up with our friends at CP24 in just moments from now for some of the other stories that people are talking about today, including the fact that it's now more expensive to ride the TTC, but 
now that riding the TTC seems to involve risking life and limb, I'm not sure that the price of getting on board a TTC vehicle is all that compelling. All right, time to say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, hope you had a relaxing and safe weekend. Clearly safe because here you are. Uh, let's get into it, the news of the day. So the mayoral candidates, they can officially register today uh, so that they can be nominated to become the next mayor of Toronto. They're going to need a traffic cop at Toronto City Hall. Apparently the campaigns have been coordinating this so they don't crash into each other because we've got so many candidates who will be registering their paperwork today. The wicket opens at 8.30. Apparently Anna Bailau, who I'm pretty sure was the first person to announce for the race, will be the first person to sign up. Followed by Mark Saunders, Josh Matlow, Brad Bradford, Missy Hunter, Anthony Fury. Apparently they'll all have about 10 minutes between each other. Mm. But I think it's going to be kind of a funny day at Toronto City Hall because one of these people is the next mayor of Toronto as of the 26th of June. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Almost like a game of Clue with everyone congregating, uh, but obviously much more serious <laughs> than that. All right, and uh, we covered this story last week, and obviously more details have now emerged about the eight migrants, uh, including two children or, or possibly even more now, found dead in the St. Lawrence River. What a tragic story. You're right. We have uh, eight bodies that have been located so far. Intriguingly, uh, there is one person who is still missing, and it's thought actually he's kind of in the wind, that he's not mm. dead, but he's still alive, and that is Casey Oakes, 30 years old, who is the person probably operating that boat. What we've learned, though, is it's two families, one Romanian, one Indian, and one family, the Romanians, had realized that their paperwork was not going to be working out. Their two kids are actually Canadian citizens, mm. but the parents were not going to be allowed to remain in Canada. Canada. So that's why they had hired a smuggler to get them across the border. We don't know the details of how they ended up in the water, but what a terrible, terrible situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, turning to this now, John, uh, new TDC fares are in effect today. How much is it going to cost? Ten more cents, mm -hmm. which a lot of people would say is not much, but actually um, our fares are fairly high in comparison to a lot of other jurisdictions in North America. And most notably, uh, Toronto users pay the highest percentage of the cost of running their transit system. Um, so as of today, if you're using a Presto card, it's $3.30 for adults, $2.35 for youths, uh, $20.25 for seniors. And uh, of course, cast that against the fact that a lot of people don't even want to be on the TDC right now because of all the danger that we've experienced in the last few months. Okay, and from riding the rocket to uh, an actual rocket that's set to go to the moon sometime next year, it looks like a Canadian will be among four astronauts as part of the Artemis II mission. And, you know, we haven't had a man on the moon since 1972, so this is certainly very exciting. It is exciting, and as a matter of fact, we're not going to be landing this time. They're going to send the rocket out. It's going to orbit the moon and come back home, but you're absolutely right. There will be four astronauts, three Americans, one Canadian. There are four Canadian candidates, and at 11 o'clock this morning, we find out which one of them is going. The Artemis mission is set for November 2024. Okay, no man walking on the moon, just getting close enough to the moon. Okay, thanks for clarifying that, John. And uh, this is interesting because I love Niagara Falls, uh, going there as a young kid, but I haven't been there in a while. But apparently Niagara Falls is Canada's biggest tourist trap.
Yeah, this is a list from a company called, uh, it's actually a vacation rental company called Casago, and they rate or define a tourist trap as a travel destination with establishments that target tourists with overpriced experiences hmm. and souvenirs. And apparently, Niagara Falls is seventh on the list of the worst tourist trap. I think that's somewhat unfortunate, because I'm like you. I love going to mm -hmm. Niagara Falls. I never fooled myself into thinking that it wasn't full of, tour, you know, <laughs> all sorts of tourist shops and various adventures that you could take that would cost you money, but I still like standing there and watching the falls. Yeah, absolutely. I love going to, you know, I would go to the casinos when I was younger and even walk around and go to some of the rides and attractions they had. So, hey, tourist trap or not, I'm loving it. I'm still loving the falls. Phil, how about you? Yeah, I do. And it doesn't, co it doesn't cost you to look over the falls, right, no. John? <laughs> we can just stand there and look. Uh, but within proximity, you have the wineries and you have Shaw Festival and there's so many uh, wonderful things to do. So I'm, I'm on the same page. You know, Clifton yeah. Hill is, <laughs> is fun and kitschy. And if you want to get souvenirs, hey, I'll, I'll pick you up a hat next time I'm down there. How's that? Then you can save yourself some cash, John. Hat for you. Okay. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> All right. All right. Bill Coulter, meteorologist at CP24, chirping in. And uh, if you're remarking at my uh, remarkable passivity, uh, unfortunately, as you can hear here and affects us on CP24 as well, whatever manner of hookup we have between the radio and the TV station, there is, uh, as it's known in the business, latency. And you've heard that on Zoom, right? Like sometimes... I'll ask a question to one of our pundits, and it's like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. So it makes it hard to ha have some sort of real-time chirping back and forth, which is unfortunate, but that's okay. We're working on that for a uh, more real-time hookup. Back to an awful lot. Of, this is one of those days, and I know I've said this a lot lately, but it's just sort of been the pattern. There are maybe a dozen stories that you need to know about, and it's kind of hard to rank them. Um, so we're just going to continue to sift through all of those things. So come the time that you need to tune out and head off into your day, you'll know everything you need to know. A couple of things that happened over the weekend. One of them would be MPP Michael Mantha being booted out of the NDP caucus. They say there was alleged workplace misconduct, but nothing else is being said. So hoping Sabrina Nanji from Queen's Park Observer, who is scheduled to appear on one of our roundtables this morning, might be able to provide some insight. Mantha has been an NDP MPP since being elected in 2011. Something else that happened on the weekend is worth celebrating, and I always love sort of the harbinger of something exciting to come. Uh, Summer McIntosh, 16-year-old Torontonian, a swimmer, set five records in six days at the Canadian Swimming Trials, which ended last night. And I guess I have not particular insight into this, but a bit of a connection. There's a fire hall on my corner, as you probably know, and uh, the captain on... Actually, I don't know how the whole captaincy thing works. Is there a captain on every shift, or does each you know, cabin have their own captain and then everybody else is a deputy captain, but he is a captain. His name is Doug. And we become friends because, you know, the life of a firefighter, sometimes you got nothing. So they like to sit out in front and I walk the dog and I stopped, started probably two or three years ago, stopping to talk. And Doug is nuts about swimming and he coaches swimming and he mentors swimmers and he's foolish enough to put on a wetsuit and swim in Lake Ontario, even in the winter months. 
But I texted him on the weekend and I said, there's a lot of stuff going on, isn't there? Are you there? He said, of course I'm here. This is the most exciting thing I've seen in years. So when a 16-year-old sets five records for um, Canada, national records, that's pretty exciting stuff. And so maybe we're back. You know, Canadian swimmers were the big deal in the 1980s. And, you know, we go through these funny spasms where it's, uh, we're really big in rowing, we're really big in swimming, we're really big in figure skating. And then I'm not sure if it's because we move the money off or because the coaches get recruited to the States or whatever it might be, but maybe we're about to be big in swimming all over again. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.36 is the time. Here we are, Monday, April 3rd. Did anybody get stung by an April Fool's joke? I found myself, I, I, I went on to Twitter and a few other social media outlets, and I just thought, you know what? I am not going to react to anything until lunchtime. And um, because, it, you know, noon is supposed to be the cutoff point for pulling a prank on somebody. And I just thought, I won't believe anything. And honestly, they could have announced that there was like a chlorine leak on on the lakeshore. And I would think, yeah, really? Is there? Um, So the 1st of April was uh, April Fool's Day. Uh, An awful lot of parents probably ended up putting salt in their coffee and other things like that. Uh, There's uh, certainly how delightful that... um, Let me see if I can pull this up. Um... Yeah, somebody posted an April Fool's Day prank online saying that a portion of the Trans-Canada Highway was going to have lanes set aside for bikes. And Jordan Peterson lost his mind. He posted, this idiot country is sheathed in ice seven months of the year and the Trans-Canada Highway, an undeveloped national disgrace, underdeveloped national disgrace, is 5,000 miles long. Is there nothing so stupid you won't do it, Justin Trudeau? Okay, he's supposed to be a clever man, Jordan Peterson. Uh, I have always been highly dubious. I'm sure he's very, very intelligent, but... The representation of Jordan Peterson as one of the great towering intellectuals of the Western world of our times is insane. And people will always react whenever I talk about Jordan Peterson because I just, I'm not impressed. I'm sorry. I, you know, whenever people compare him to McLuhan, McLuhan was actually a towering intellectual figure, one of the great thinkers of the 20th century. Jordan Peterson is an overhyped guy with a somewhat um, unfortunate incel fan base. And so, yeah, I'm, you know, I remain unconvinced. And then people say, why don't you debate him? Because I don't have time. You know, we're busy here. It's 539. I was mentioning, of course, April 1st as uh, the day that a whole bunch of things came online. Okay, one of them, you can't feed animals in the city of Toronto anymore. Now, it's not absolutely clear if this is going to be enforced, but there will be tickets if you feed birds. The only birds you're allowed to feed are songbirds. All the others, pigeons, ducks, you have to stop it. It's now illegal. Now, uh, the based on previous fines for feeding wildlife in parks, the ticket could be 365 bucks. The city is asking residents who see anybody feeding wildlife to report the incident to 311. Now, there's a couple of issues here. One of them is... 
Uh, the feeding of birds, what they're worried about is there's, I mean, not that this would accelerate the phenomenon, but there is avian flu right now and birds are dying off owing to that. Um, the bigger worry is feeding animals increases their tolerance for proximity. So next thing you know, we got foxes and coyotes are just sort of hanging out. Hey, got any food? What's up? Uh, foxes and coyotes, a danger to humans and to our pets. Uh, and then there's raccoons. Raccoons are just pests who can damage property and get into your garbage. So as of the 1st of April, feeding wildlife is prohibited on public and private property. Going to be interesting to see if that affects, like if anybody changes their behavior. Because if you're like me and you make your way through the downtown, you will see people feeding the pigeons in the park. What would the old men do? You know, the whole proverbial, you know, the old man on the bench feeding the pigeons. Like, what would the old men going to do? I, I don't know. Just maybe sit on the bench, talk, and don't feed the pigeons. How about talk that? that's talk what, to the pigeons. That's maybe. what you and your partner <laughs> on Totally Useless Information can now do. Uh, I, yeah. I often say that to uh, Andrew Carter, because Andrew Carter and I still talk every single day. And there are days I'll say, you know, the only thing you and I need is a park bench and a bag of popcorn. Something that also came online on the 1st of April is something called the Tax-Free First Home Savings Account. I'm not going to go into complete detail on this because I think this is for you and your financial planner or your banker. But the idea is it's kind of like an RRSP or a TIFSA. And there are some pretty strict rules about it. But the idea is you can put as much as $8,000 a year into this account to a maximum of $40,000. And then you can take it out tax-free plus whatever it earns, right? Because it's going to be invested. So you can take all of that money out tax-free and then you must absolutely use that for a down payment on your first home. So if you're listening right now and you've already bought a home, you're not part of this program. But maybe you got kids and it's like, okay, let's start uh, building up this fund. Now, I know there are a lot of people who are kind of jaundiced about this because they say you know, $40,000. Okay, if that's a 10% down payment, good luck if you can find a house in the city of Toronto for $400,000. However, it's better than a kick in the head. So it's, um, I, I think the TIFSA, which was introduced by Minister Flaherty, is one of the greatest things that ever happened. And I hope that you have the luxury of being able to contribute to it. Because the whole idea of a TIFSA and the younger you are when you start, the better it's going to be. Although the thing is, you're eligible to start. And even if like you go 10 years and you never had enough money to put in a TFSA, you have an annual maximum so you can eventually get to the point where you can put that money into the account. And then everything it earns is tax-free. And the best part of it is that you can take money out, put money in, take money out, put money in. So... It is, you know, I think superior to an RRSP, although I encourage people to donate to all. Then we're still on the theme of things that took effect on the 1st of April. The uh, carbon tax went up. So did the rebates. But I know that, that if you hate the carbon tax, you don't care about the rebates. You just, you, it doesn't matter. Uh, but Stephen Gilbo, the environment minister, was on question period with Vashi uh, Capellos and asserted again 
And I and, and according to the Parliamentary Budget Office, this is actually true, so he doesn't have to get a Pinocchio nose. He asserted that the average Canadian will get more back in rebates than they will spend on the carbon tax. And it's for rich Canadians who like big cars and flying and have huge houses to heat to actually pay the carbon tax. When your government said what this program was intended to accomplish, it made a promise to Canadians that they wouldn't be out of pocket for it. If a majority of Canadians are, I, I'm just trying to ask you if you understand why there are Canadians right now who are facing such tough financial times, who are saying, you know, like, can you put a pause on this? Can you help us out? Because it, it isn't like the rebates are covering at all. Well, we're doing a number of other things, Vashi, to help Canadians and to support Canadians through the transition to a, a lower carbon future. I mean, he, he acknowledges that uh, he doesn't take into account the cost of, of, uh, and the, of the impacts of climate change. We, we, we have said that the rebates would, would help the, the, the people most in need in Canada. And that's exactly what, what the system is doing. And you know what? There's nothing that's going to make carbon taxes more popular with those who don't like them. I guess the only observation I would have in all of this, because I don't, you know, don't tend to spend a lot of my capital backstopping the government, is that carbon taxes were originally hatched as a conservative idea, because conservatives believe that when you raise the price of something, it becomes less desirable as a consumable. But for whatever reason, in this case, they hate the carbon tax. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. That parade of would-be mayors begins at 8.30 this morning. So I imagine probably at 8.35 we'll be able to pick up a bit of live audio. I, if, if it unfolds the way I figure it will, then each of the candidates, they've actually scheduled it. They're, they're staggering the whole thing so they don't overlap each other. So I'd imagine CP24, for example, will have a live camera there. Candidates are going to show up. I'll give you their schedule in just a second. And then each of them are probably going to do their elevator pitch for a couple of minutes and then get out of the way. You need uh, 25 declarations of endorsement in order to qualify as a would-be mayor. And the filing fee is $200. So Anna Bailao, 8.30, Brad Bradford at 8.50, Mark Saunders at 9.10, Josh Matlow at 9.30, Giorgio Mammoliti, what will we do without him? But look at that. He's paying tribute to us, 10.10. Fantastic. And who am I missing? Uh, Mitzi Hunter, we don't have a time for. Anthony Fury, we don't have time for. That's okay. All of you guys have uh, Joe Cristiano's phone number now. And you're probably listening. So. I've already texted Rob Davis. I'm like, what time? Right, Rob Davis. I forgot. And then um, there's that uh, guy who shall never be mentioned again here because he was such a jackass when he appeared with us uh, about six oh, weeks ago. Yes, 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 yes. But as I mentioned, shall not be mentioned. Uh, if you want to be a rude twerp, then you'll have to forgo uh, being on Newstock 1010, although you're perfectly welcome to buy time. That's one of the things I've said to a few people, um, I mean, with all due respect, because I'm very fond of her, but um, a couple of cycles ago, we had Bonnie Crombie, mayor of Mississauga, on the show. And, you know, it was because there was something in the news we wanted to talk to her about. But then I interrupted her because she had talked without taking a breath for like five minutes. And she said, no, no, I have two more points. And I thought, buy time, you know what, 30-second commercials. <laughs> I'm not a stenographer. 
So this will definitely be on the agenda this morning for free-for-all round one and two. You have heard about, probably anyway, you've heard about these uh, detention camps resulting from the Syrian civil war. And there are Western women from pretty well every country, the United States, England, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. There are Western women who are in these camps who, for whatever reason, let's face it, they were, most of them were teenagers. Teenagers can do some pretty dumb things. They decided to go to Syria and marry members of ISIS and have children. And most of them have been widowed as a result of the war, but they're now stateless. So they've been staying in detention camps. And like I said, a lot of them have kids. So one mother, the RCMP actually went to this camp, which is run by Kurds. And they said, your kids are officially Canadian citizens and obviously not a security threat. So they can come to Canada. Six kids aged from three to 16 years of age. But the mother has not yet qualified. The RCMP has not finished vetting her, and she may never qualify. But she's putting her kids on a plane today. They have no relatives in Canada. They will become wards of the state. They're going to Quebec, so they'll be wards of the province of Quebec. They will be placed in foster homes. And so, you know, I guess in some respects, you could say this is the ultimate sort of almost Sophie's choice that this mother has decided these kids are better in Canada, going to school, growing up, um, learning proper English, getting into sports, having a normal Western youth than they are with her in a detention camp in Syria. Uh, other news today, TDC. Again, you got the fare that went up. We talked about that on CP24. The fare goes up by a dime. Most people will say, who's going to notice? Other people will say, I won't go near the TTC anyway. TTC's running at about 67 to 70% of pre-COVID capacity. Um, but another story about the TTC today, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly how this works, so I guess I'm going to have to talk with my friends in transit. Um, they're working further toward integrating the TDC fare system with the GO Transit system. Associate Minister of Transportation, Stan Cho, confirming that the Ford government is adding the TTC to its fare integration program with GO Transit by the end of the year. So this is not one of those things that came online on Saturday, the 1st of April. And what I have to imagine this works out to is um, there are some people who will take Go Transit and then get onto the subway system, for example, or take a last leg bus or streetcar ride, and they have to pay full freight. And so the idea here would be that you get a discount. I don't think you get on for free, but you get a discount when you go from one system to the other. And then one last story before we have to take a break here, but uh, people have been digging into a lot of the paperwork to find out more about this Jordan O'Brien Tobin. He is the 22-year-old who's accused of murdering a 16-year-old boy at the Keel subway station. And court records show that a GTA judge warned that he was a threat to the public if he didn't get help for his substance abuse and mental health issues. Quoting from the sentencing hearing last year, which happened in relation to an assault in Mississauga with a box cutter. Seems like a delightful fellow. The public is at risk 
if he does not get the rehabilitation that he so clearly needs. Uh, in transcripts of the September 29th, 2022 sentencing hearing, we find that he had a criminal history, including four prior assaults since 2021, many, many breaches of court orders, as well as his, quote, remarkable history of family violence and mental health issues. So this kind of draws us back to the discussion of when somebody can be detained, even if they do not wish to be detained. And then it also raises the question of why a guy with a record as long as that is not behind bars anyway. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.